Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Charting Your Course podcast. Today's episode is another great one as I had the pleasure of speaking with Kate O'Neill, who's a co-founder at Teaming. Teaming is a software with the main goal of building team trust and accountability, improving team health, and helping teams do their best work together. If you'd like to get to know more about Kate and her company, you can visit teaming.com, which there's also a link to in this podcast's description. Kate is a graduate of Tabor Academy in Marion, Massachusetts, and from Tabor, she went on to study at Providence College. In this episode, Kate talked about the founding story of her company, Teaming, what her early upbringings were like, and how they led her to what she's working on now. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Kate O'Neill. So Kate, you went to Tabor, which is a school I am currently attending as a sophomore as well. It is in Marion, Massachusetts. And I always like to start my podcast with this question, and that is, what were your early upbringings like, and how did they lead you to attending a school like Tabor? Oh, wow. Getting in deep right, <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah, so my early upbringing, pretty normal. I grew up in the suburbs of New York City. I went to public school through 10th grade played a lot of sports. I have an older brother who's three years older. And actually <clears throat> that has a lot to do with why I attended Tabor. My brother, you know, we went through the same school district all the way through in New York. And when my brother got to the college application process and deciding where to go to college, I was a freshman in high school when he was a senior. And my mom realized that, you know, all of the classmates that my brother had, a lot of the boys were going to great colleges, yeah. um, but a lot of the really smart girls didn't end up going from his class to really good schools. And she thought that was odd because they were, you know, she was a room mom and, and on the class trips <laughs> yeah. and all that. And so she actually, I give her so much credit. She went to the school and pulled the matriculation lists for the last 10 years of students from my public school. And she noticed that by and large, the top schools that kids were going to from um, our public school, there were all almost all boys that were going, not girls. And so I don't know that we ever really figured out if there was a systematic issue, Problem. but it was something, it was enough for her to say, well, I, you know, want to give my daughter as much opportunity as, as I possibly can. And so that led us to Tabor. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I heard you mention sports. So and that's goes into my next question. So moving on from your upbringing to your time at Tabor, you know, what were you like as a student and what extracurriculars, what sports, what activities did you participate in? Yeah, gosh, I feel like so I loved so many things during my time at Tabor. I played soccer. I also tried lacrosse, but I wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> I, I played basketball and also wasn't very good. I ran cross country for, for a season. I really enjoyed that. And that's actually something that stuck with me for my life. So I, I really appreciated that, that one season of cross country for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, other things, I was our senior class treasurer. I, government. Yeah. I loved, I loved, loved, loved ceramics. I took as much ceramics as I possibly could. Yeah. I think those are the activities that probably stick out the most to me. I also loved, I mean, it was a class, but I really loved taking oceanography. I thought that was a really cool and unique yeah. opportunity. Tabor for people who don't know, listening to this is right on 
not the ocean, but a harbor that's really close to the ocean. So there's a lot of oceanography, marine biology classes like that. I love those too. But that's that's really interesting. You were involved in a lot of stuff. I'm sure you had <laughs> little free time while you were there. You took full advantage of it, which is great to hear. And, you know, during your time at Tabor, what did you believe you wanted to do later in life? Or what did you have a passion for? Did, could you see yourself going on to start a company like you have? Oh, that's so interesting. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't see myself doing that. I think I think others around me probably did. I know my parents thought that I would. I just couldn't see that far ahead in my life. I actually, when I graduated from Tabor and went into college, I thought that I would be a teacher. You know, Tabor really was so formative for me that I loved the experience so much that I thought that I would hopefully be able to contribute to a community like Tabor by being a teacher myself. And I still might want to do that someday. Who knows? Yeah. I, can, <laughs> I can't see that far out yet. So, Yeah. My last guest, Tyler, he also wanted to become a teacher, but now he's found himself a completely new career path. So it's, it's interesting. People in high school, I feel like are under a lot of pressure to, you know, have everything figured out at 17 and 18 years of age. What do you want to major in? And then what is that going to lead you to do in life? And I think that's based on who I've interviewed and what they've said so far, that's completely not the case. Everybody has a different path. You know, some people, the very few people know what they're going to do straight from high school. They're really gifted. Say they're a hockey player and they're just the best hockey player. They probably have a pretty good shot at playing professional, but other people that have a passion in something, they may not know what that passion even is until they are out of college or in college. So I think my piece of advice from hearing what all of my guests and what Kate, you just said to my audience is just to, you know, you're, you have a lot of time, you're 17, 18 years old. So don't try to be putting a lot of stress on yourself to find out what you want to do in life at this young of an age. And then, so do you believe attending Tabor set you up for an easier admittance to college or maybe not an easier admittance, Mm -hmm. but just set you up, built your profile for a better time at admitting to college? That's such a good question. I, I think it did. So, so yes, generally, I think I got into better schools than I would have otherwise. Yeah. I will say that I, I enjoyed my four years of college. I had fun, (laughs) (laughs) but I also felt like Tabor prepared me so well that college wasn't as challenging or exciting as I thought it would be. I had a large expectation for it. And I I mean, I, it wasn't a bad experience by any means, but I remember being somewhat disappointed in, in this experience, right? It it is not really, you know, there are a lot of things that are different about college than about being at a boarding school, but for the most part, you're learning so much at Tabor and other college preparatory schools that, you know, I would say find a college, you know, that's really going to challenge you going forward. So yeah, I would say strive for the best school you can, because I don't know that I, I I don't know that I got that experience. I'd be curious to know what other people answered to that that question, but I felt wholly prepared for for college for sure. Tabor is 
not exactly like a college, but it's structured in a way, you know, you have to apply to get there. You have to follow a schedule. You're living by yourself. So it's in some ways it is similar to a college. And I think that maybe we don't even know it, but that, or you don't, you didn't even know it. I haven't experienced it yet, but you didn't even know that it set you up for a better time in college than your peers who might've attended uh, public school. So moving on to your professional life, you know, what was your first job when you got out of college or maybe even before you were in college, if you had a job at Tabor, what was that first sort of way that you started to make money? Yeah, good question. Well, Tabor was connected to a lot of it. So my first few jobs, I waitressed in, in the summer and that was, that restaurant was owned by Tabor Parents. So that's how I got that job. Oh, wow. I yeah, I worked in college. I interned for an industrial sewing machine company called Mero. They're based in Fall River now, but both brothers that own the business now went to Tabor. Whoa! Um, so I talk about that's that really job. Cool. Yeah, you he talk about someone you should have on Charlie Mero, CEO of Mero. He's yeah. right there. You could probably do it face to face, but he's. He, he, you know, I've been watching from afar. His business has been really crucial to Massachusetts during the pandemic. They switched basically from making sewing machines to using the sewing, sewing machines to make PPE. Wow. And they, I just saw a post from him that they've gotten to price parity with the Asian markets in providing PPP to Americans. So that's pretty cool. That, that is yeah, really cool. Red. I'm definitely going to get in contact after this episode. That's really cool. Yeah, I think he's probably maybe 10 or 12 years older than me. So we, you know, obviously didn't overlap at Tabor, but, you know, he, I think, wanted to give back to the community as well. And so I think I was their first intern. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. And yeah, so those are the two jobs I can think of that I really started me off in in making money. I really credit Charlie a lot with how much I've learned you know, one summer I did like marketing stuff, another summer I did sales stuff. And I, you know, I got to do things that I had no business doing (laughs) as a, as an intern. He took me along for meetings that, you know, I didn't really understand, but looking back on them, I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, this might be a hard question to answer because you really can't ever predict the future, but would you say, if you didn't go to Tabor that you wouldn't have had an experience or opportunity like that? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. You know, you, when you wrote to me about doing this, you know, how, how I was reflecting on how valuable my Tabor education was to me or is to me. And I think in the beginning, right. When I graduated, I felt like I I got a lot of connections, you know, that have really helped me uh, along in my career And that was sort of the value. And then, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, the the value has changed more. I think Tabor was probably the the first community to really support me outside of my family. And that value is such a big, you know, part of your life when you get older. (laughs) My my first guest, his name was Dennis Yu. He said something really similar. He when, you, when you're going to schools like Tabor, like Choate, he said that what's the most important thing to do while you're there, obviously, is to get good grades, to do well in sports, to, 
you know, all the basics, but he really emphasized building relationships. The people that are there, they are all, they are all most likely driven and going to do something in life that will be important and connecting with them. Like you just said, it can give you opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have had. So that's a really cool experience that you guys both shared and some advice that you both shared. So I know a lot about your, our, your current venture, which is teaming, but I'm sure the, some of the audience probably doesn't know. So could you explain to my audience what teaming is and how it works? Sure. Teaming is a SaaS-based application, so software as a service. And the application is really helping leaders of teams lead those teams. So there's sort of science to it. Actually, some of the research that Teaming is based on comes out of Harvard. Some comes out of Google. But but essentially, the, the concept is pretty similar no matter what research you look at. The high-performing teams have been studied by researchers to understand regardless of practice, right? Regardless of whether or not it's a surgical team, a marketing team, car pit team, you know, changing uh, (laughs) the the tires on a, on a car racing team, no matter what type of team it is, there are certain things that are just always true when teams are high-performing. And so in my experience at work, high-performing teams to, to stay high-performing is really hard. And yeah. so that's what teaming really helps you to do is to collaborate with others and to lead in the ways that we know are effective for teamwork and teams to be able to work together for a long time. That's really interesting. I haven't, I haven't heard of any other company that really does that so far. And I think... I'm somewhat, actually not even somewhat, I think I am pretty entrepreneurial and I I can tell. I, yeah, that's what I want to do later in life. Just from this podcast, you know, I, I want to create something, create a company. So that's really cool uh, that you've done that and are succeeding in doing that. So now that we know what teaming is, how did you get the idea for this great concept and this great company? And what was sort of the founding story? Yeah, good question. So I might nerd out a little here. So my previous company, a company called Lean Kit, we actually sold the company in 2017 to a private equity firm, and they merged it with another strategic venture that they bought at around the same time. And that, but working for that company, I learned so much. A couple of things come to mind. One is the company itself um, was also a SaaS-based application that helped really large companies make processes more efficient. So if you can imagine all of the processes that happen for Black Friday yeah. um, for Walmart, right? Or this is a real example, GE Aviation, they make airplane engines. Our software helped them manage the ideation process for a new airplane engine all the way to test flight. So oh, wow. literally putting people in the sky. That's really <laughs> um, cool. Was yeah, it was part of what we did. And so, you know, millions and millions and millions of people working on millions and millions and millions of different processes to have a, a shared outcome, right? A shared goal, a successful test flight, a really profitable Black Friday, you know, you name it. That's yeah. what our software could do. And so we we 
were so scientific about the work. We studied these processes, right? And just making one or 2% uh, increases in efficiency meant, you know, millions of dollars to the bottom line or lives saved, right? In the pilot situation, you name it. And, you know, it's not knocking that that's a really important function, right? But, But what we noticed with our customers was that the customers that had really strong teams they were able to drive more efficiency, even though they might not have been as mature in terms of their use of the software as teams that were very mature in their use of the software. They knew it inside and out, right? But they didn't have as strong of a team. And so we realized like there is something else to, you know, growing large scale companies and driving good efficiency that that is sort of secret sauce right or that's yeah. what it felt like a really good team from the outside looks like man i i don't know how that's created but it's good and then you know you think about your own career and the teams i've been part of in my career some are good but really only a precious few stand out and i don't think that should be the case right i think yeah. if we're trying to work on something together we should always feel like this is a great team not just because it helps you to drive efficiency, right? And, you know, get more stuff done together, but that it helps you to find meaning in your work and helps you to understand your impact of, of your work, right? If you're working really well with other people, yeah. you know, you're a part of that. And that's very process. valuable. Yeah. So that was sort of the, the starting point. And then, you know, for me, my last company, I was the vice president of marketing. It was the first time that I was managing managers, so sort of like the first time I had another layer of yeah, people of that leadership. I was resp- yeah, responsible for. And I realized that leadership is really hard. There was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, 22 people on my team and helping, you know, a manager ma- lead their team is, is, you know, one step further removed. And I realized I needed to be better at at leading teams. And so for me personally, I've learned so much from helping to build teaming. And then I also feel really blessed because my co-founders, there's there's four of us, you know, they wanted me to be part of it. I'm not, you know, you're probably familiar with this, but I'm not a technical co-founder. They are for the most part, but they see the value in being able to promote and help people to use teaming. And so that's really my role on our founding team. But I'm um, sure there's, and- as you probably know, definitely with the creation of teaming, there's always, you know, you need multiple people to get different insights. Some people have to be good at the technical side of things, and some people have to be good at the marketing and the social side of things. So that's, that's, that's really smart of them. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I we're we're growing. We've been around about a two year, almost two years. Of course, a year that is global pandemic. But thankfully, in some ways, the pandemic has really helped our business. Teams working remotely need better ways to connect and understand what it means to be high performing. Even though that hasn't changed, with you know what it means to be high performing hasn't really changed whether you're in the office or remote but the need for a tool to help teams be able to remotely. measure and yeah. yeah and collaborate that way has been you know demand has increased for that so that's been been really good for us yeah that is actually crazy you just completely guessed my next question 
how how difficult was it to lead a relatively new company during the pandemic? And did having to adapt the crazy year that was 2020 teach you anything new? It, and it doesn't even have to be about teaming. It can be about any other lessons you learned. But what did it teach you? Yeah, I still feel like I will be able to better articulate this when, you know, in a couple of years, yeah. probably I haven't fully processed it yet. But I think the pandemic's taught me a couple of things. One is, you know, doing more with less, right? So, you know, not that I haven't been frugal, right, before, but marketing is a hard thing to measure. And so how do you understand, right? If, if I put $2 in, how many dollars am I going to get back out, right? That's a, a hard yeah. thing for marketers to be able to say. And so we just have been forced to do more with less and we were able to do that. So I, I think that's definitely one lesson. We don't necessarily need the, the big marketing budgets or the, the yeah. money that we have when times are good. I'm um, not saying we don't need money when times are good, but um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can yeah. get by. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I think that's one lesson. I think another lesson is really around life, you know, life is happening, whether we're in a global pandemic or not. And yeah, the world keeps um, spinning. Yeah. You, you know, when you are an entrepreneur, I think you probably know this, this we're on Saturday film or, you know, recording this, right. Yeah. It, it's hard work yeah. and, you know, you can't, you really can't forget to build a life, right? When you're also building a living or making a living, right? Yeah. It can't be, you know, there's been times in my early career where I just focused on my career. And I don't know that is necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like I'm a better professional, a better entrepreneur when I have balance in my life. So, you know, I say you can't forget to build a life while you're building a company. But I truly think that that makes me a better entrepreneur than just focusing on the company. And you, you really have to look at the upsides of even as dark and as horrible a thing as that COVID in 2020 was, you have to look at the positives. Obviously, as you just said, it helped teaming. It also helped me just create this podcast because right now, I'm sure you would be a lot more busy if this pandemic wasn't going on with travel and meetings and all that has slowed for absolutely everyone. So mm -hmm. it really helped me grow this podcast because uh, people are more available now and are freer now. So yeah, just building things, even in the hardest of circumstances, you have to adapt and you have to find what's going to work. So I think that's really, that was very valuable advice. And one of my last questions is what advice can you give to current students? Many of the people listening to this podcast right now are current high school students. So what advice can you give to them that you wish you'd known when you were a student at Tabor that possibly could have helped you where you are right now in your company, yeah. in your professional life? Oh, so much. So I think the number one thing that going to Tabor gave me was a lifelong love of learning. So at at the end of the day, right? Like grades matter, being part of the community matters. But if you can come out of your time in high school with a love of learning and, you know, in some instances, right? I have been thinking about this, like in some ways, the grading performance side of school is 
you know, counterintuitive to yeah. being able to build a love of learning, right? I got to get an A. So I'm just going to do what I need to do to get an A rather than to actually learn this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I remember is like, I got to get that A. I don't, you know, like, I'm just going to get that A. Yeah. And I would say, you know, advice would be to really find ways to love the learning side of it, not just the performance side, because that will get you, you know, when you're out of high school, the, the grade doesn't matter yeah. anymore. You know, it's kind of your, even in college, to be honest with you, as a hiring manager, I don't ever look at a GPA from college, no matter what institute institution you, you went to. I find that it's not indicative of how you'll perform at the company. What's, um, more, what's more important is what they've learned and how good they are at that now. And learning, right? Like, you know, at least in tech for the last 15 years here, no one knows the answer. You couldn't have learned what you yeah. will learn working for the company. And so the, your ability and your speed to learn and your sort of craving for it is really what I would look for in hiring students that yeah. come out of school. So, so yeah, I would say come out with a, a love of learning and it'll serve you your whole life. Yeah. And I think that that can be easily overlooked by a 17 year old naive uh, teenager. That's like, oh, this sucks. I just want to be doing something else. You know, this isn't preparing me, but learning how to learn and how to yes. love learning is so important. So I fully agree with you on that. That's more fantastic advice. So lastly, I know we are kind of hitting that mark. So if one of our listeners would like to reach out to you either for advice or just to get in contact, what would be their best method of doing so? Yeah, good question. I, well, you have my email address. It's kate.oneil, O-N-E-I-L at teaming.com. But I'm on LinkedIn. It sounds yeah. ridiculous. Probably you guys, I don't know if you do, you do LinkedIn. Yeah, you know. I, I do LinkedIn. It's, it, <laughs> yeah. it's really important. My first guest, actually, sorry to cut you off here. My first guest, though, Dennis Yu, he, I mentioned him a few times already throughout this podcast, but he told me, you know, get on LinkedIn. Many teenagers aren't on LinkedIn. And that is where like things are happening. Obviously, Instagram and Twitter are also good tools for connecting with people. But especially mm -hmm. if you're serious about, you know, getting into if teaming or a company like that really interests you or what Kate has done has really interests you, these professional and leaders of their field are much more likely to be on LinkedIn than any other platform. So get on there. Get on it. I'm with you. Totally get on it. And yeah, I, I want to give back, right? Like I think we talked about how helpful Tabor alums have been for me and I'd love to be helpful to, to current yeah, students as well. And she's definitely been very helpful for me. She's, <laughs> and I'm sure she's been helpful for all of you just by listening to this. So if you guys would like to reach out to her, please feel free to do so because I'm sure she has a lot of valuable advice like she just shared. But thank you so much for coming on, Kate. And I hope this interview helped you guys be able to better chart your own course in life. And I will see yes. you in the next episode.